listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning. Thank you so much. Well, it's really good to have this opportunity to share with you this morning. Thank you uh, so much for being with us. We've been really looking forward to today and all that God is going to do and is already doing amongst us. So it's, uh, it's a real thrill and a joy to, uh, to be part of this. And uh, just to see a whole bunch of people that are hungry for more of God is always, is always good, isn't it? Certainly always a, a good start to, to a day like this. So as I was uh, beginning to prepare for today, Sarah and I felt that it might be good for me to tell the story, really, of what God has been doing here in Derby, and out of that, really, how this conference uh, had come about. So uh, do you you like me to tell you a story? So uh, I thought I'd tell you a story. And uh, and in doing that, there are probably some people to honour along that way as well. So this story really starts back in the autumn of 2014, just uh, two or three years ago. And uh, although my dad had had a number of health challenges, particularly later in life, uh, really in that autumn period he got very ill very quickly. And he ended up in hospital, uh, was there for a little while, and then died just a few days before his 76th birthday at the end of uh, in, in October. And obviously that was uh, a pretty sad time for, for us as a family. But my dad knew and loved Jesus and had done since, since he was young. And both he and mom were, were very active in their, in their local Baptist church. That's where I had come to faith as a child, where I was baptized as a teenager. And uh, it's also where I'd learned to serve. It's where I've learned to serve as a Christian. My, my dad was always doing something at church. Uh, the, the phrase that perhaps I remember the most from, from him growing up was dad saying to mum, oh, I'm just nipping around church. And there'll be some job or other that would need doing and that he would do. And uh, when, I was, uh, when I was young, it was before the days of health and safety being quite as rigorous as they are today. So generally speaking, he would have a, have a ladder up somewhere and he'd be at the top of it doing something that you probably wouldn't get away with these days. But as well as that, you know, he was always the first to a meeting to set up. He was the last to leave after clearing up and locking up. And that's what I grew up with. That's where I, where I learned to serve and just got stuck in. And uh, it wasn't that he ever sat me down and said, son, you need to learn to serve in church. Actually, I just saw what dad did and I wanted to be with him. Because I wanted to be what, do what he was doing. And um, that's where I learned something from him. Uh, and I guess there's a spiritual truth in that as well. Don't we just want to see what our Heavenly Father's doing and be with him? We just want to see what he's up to and to say, hey, Father, if you're there, I want to be there. Lord, if you're doing this, then let me in as well. And so, so I learned that practically, and uh, I'm learning that spiritually as well. So Dad passed away, and, um, but we had this hope and certainty of what was happening, where he was going. He, w- he knew where he was going. He knew he was going to go and see his Lord and Saviour. And he was certainly looking forward to that and looking forward to being freed from pain 
and, uh, and suffering. So a couple of weeks later, at the end of October, was Dad's Thanksgiving service in the, the same Baptist church. And uh, during that, uh, I spoke about Dad and uh, gave a tribute to him. And as I was speaking, my cousin Trevor, who's, who's here today, you'll notice the similarity in hairstyle, which is, you know, it takes a lot, to be fair, doesn't it? This, this hairstyle takes a lot. You notice the similarity. There, 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 there we are. So, as I was speaking at Dad's Thanksgiving, Trevor, spe- Trevor felt God speak to him. And, uh, and this is what he said to me afterwards. He said, as you were speaking, I just felt God say simply that it was time for you to take things to the next level. My feeling was that it's time for you to move things on in your church in some way. Now, I guess there are some occasions where you expect to receive a prophetic word. You come to a day like this. It wouldn't be unusual to receive a prophetic word at a day like this, would it? But I was not on my radar to receive a prophetic word at Dad's Thanksgiving. I had not gone anticipating or expecting that. And so after the service, Sarah and I were, tra- were chatting to Trevor and his wife, Janet. And actually, I think this would be a good time to say that these guys have been pivotal in what God has done in me over the years and now in Jubilee. And they are a wonderful, faithful, godly couple. And uh, they're a great example of what it means to love Jesus and to serve him. And, um, and I, I've said to Trevor on a number of occasions, you do realize that what we're walking in now, I can trace back to that conversation. But it's great to be able to honor them both and share that with you in this context as well. Because they were relating to us some stories of what they had seen God doing. Don't you love hearing God's stories? Don't you love hearing about what God's doing? And they were telling us what they had been seeing recently. And it was clear to us that they had something in God that we did not have. It was just evidence in that very moment. They were talking about what God had been doing uh, with them and around them and some stuff they had been seeing. And we realized that that was not our experience at that time. We did not have that. We had not been seeing that. Let me just say, when you hear stories like that, you have a choice. It's a very quick choice. But you have a choice in that moment about how you receive it. What you do in your heart. What happens internally when you hear stories like that. Either you receive them with faith or you receive them with cynicism. And you get a choice. And if you've been around a bit, the danger is you can receive it with cynicism. You can think, oh, I've heard it all before. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah, I've heard something like that before. And your heart goes cold. Friends, I want to encourage you today, have hearts that are soft. Have hearts that are open to receive with faith. To receive with faith. Even, just be, even before we just continue, I just feel to pray. If that's you, just put cynicism aside. Just ask the Lord to take it away and determine in this moment not to hear with cynicism today, but to hear with faith. 
Because there's so much the Father wants to do. And he wants you to have a heart that's open to him. So, Lord, I just want to pray in this moment for, for any who struggle with cynicism. Lord, I know that's been me in days past. So I pray for any, Lord, right in this moment, right now, who just want to say no to cynicism and yes to faith. God, I I pray, release people from cynicism right now. And Lord, would there be hearts of faith today? Thank you, Jesus. Well, where was I? Oh, yes. So, Trevor and Janet were talking about what God had been doing. We realized that they had something in God that we didn't have. And, And let me say, you know, I've been a Christian since a young age. You know, I've been following Jesus for, for quite a while. I was baptized in water as a teenager, baptized in the Holy Spirit in my 20s. I've been leading a church for quite a while. I've been around the block a few times. But I knew that they had something that we didn't have. And in that moment, drinking a cup of tea in one of those tiny little teacups that Baptist churches have, that you can barely get your fingers in to hold. You know the ones? They're probably normally green, aren't they? Anybody seen those? You know, there there we are after Dad's Thanksgiving, and we're talking over this tiny cup of tea that you can barely hold, and it's like God speaking. Suddenly God comes in that moment, and we realize that they had something we didn't have. And we wanted it. We wanted it really badly. And we'd been through a tough season at church. To be honest, we felt a bit beaten up and wrung out. Anybody ever feel like that? Feel a bit beaten up, wrung out, worn out, fed up? And maybe you've even come today. Maybe that would describe you. You just feel wrung out, worn out, and fed up. Now, if that's you today, then you are on God's radar. He wants to meet with you even today. If that would describe you, (laughs) if you feel, actually, I've come today, I feel a bit wrung out, worn out, and fed up. Hey, if that's you, why don't you just stand? (laughs) Because I think even even right in this moment, God wants to release something. God wants to bring breakthrough. I just want to encourage you. You you stand. I'm going to pray, and God is going to come. Because I've been in that place. You know, we were there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well done, thank you. You know, we, we felt like that. Huh. And, you know, I, I, I was leaving the church and I still felt fed up, beaten up, wrung out, and worn out. But it's in that moment that God looks and loves to come. If you're near one of these dear folk that have stood, just reach your hand out to them. God, I want to pray right now for these dear people who have had the courage to stand. And God, I thank you for them and thank you for that. And I pray that today would be a day of release in Jesus' name. That today would be a day of breakthrough in the name of Jesus. That today would be a day where things change because you come. And Father, I pray that you would ignite faith afresh right now in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, let it rise. Let it rise afresh right now in Jesus' name. Let faith come. Oh, 
<laughs> Lord, where hearts feel tired and worn out, dry and weary, thank you, Lord, that you are a God who loves to fill the valley with water. <laughs> I just feel God would say that over some of you. He's a God who loves to fill the valley with water. <laughs> And if you feel like you're in a valley place today, God loves to fill the valley with water, his water, his presence, the river of God. Where do rivers flow? Through valleys. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would fill valleys. (laughs) You would fill valleys with the river of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, thank you, Lord. Oh, you just carry on receiving if you like. I, I need to keep going or I'll be here all day. But you just carry on receiving if, if God's meeting you. That's wonderful. So, so we were fed up, worn out, wrung out. But we saw in Trevor and Janet they had something in God that we didn't have and we wanted it. And so we arranged to see them later the same day. And we arranged for a meal in the evening. Do you remember that? We, we went to the pub, didn't we? And uh, we sat in this pub. And uh, it had been quite a tough day in many ways. Great to celebrate Dad's life, but a tough day. And as we were chatting, they started praying for us and prophesying over us. And God came. And so we're in this pub, Sarah's in tears. I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? I was not expecting this today. But God had come and done something in our heart and suddenly we had a fresh hunger for him. You know, I had not expected that on that day. God broke in unexpectedly. But you know what? He loves to break in unexpectedly. He's a God of the unexpected. He loves unexpected breakthrough. And even today, there's going to be unexpected breakthrough for many of you. There really is, because you've come hungry. And God loves to, to meet hungry hearts. So it was all rather unexpected. It was all a bit, you know, a bit confusing. Thinking, well, I didn't expect that today. It wasn't you know, on my radar, but God's clearly done something in us. And so that led us to start praying that God would break in, that he would hear our hearts, hear our cry, and come in a new way in power, because we needed it. And boy, did we know we needed it. But we'd seen a glimpse of something that God could do. And we thought, well, if God could do it there, maybe God could do it here. And so we started to pray. We prayed for us personally. We prayed for our family, for our church. And uh, we, we led Jubilee into a week of prayer and fasting at the beginning of 2015. And we were praying for more of God's presence. We often have weeks of prayer and fasting at the beginning of a year as a church. And generally speaking, we'd send out a long list of things we're praying for. It was really easy this time. We're just praying for more of God's presence. That's the list. And so we prayed and we sought God. And then I flew off to Cambodia for two weeks. And uh, the church carried on praying. And while I'm there, I get a text message on my phone 
from, from, uh, from David, our administrator, saying, God's broken out. It's a Sunday morning. It's Sunday night, uh, Cambodian time. I was actually in a prayer meeting in Phnom Penh, the capital at the time. And God's breaking out in a new way there. We're praying for people and seeing God uh, do some wonderful stuff there. I get a text on my phone at the same time from David saying, God's broken out here. Thinking, wow, God is at work. He's answered our prayer. And when I came back a week or so later, it was like coming back to a different church. I'm thinking, I've gone away for two weeks. I've come back. It's like coming to a different place. Some would say I should go away more often. And there's, probably some, there's probably a lot of truth in that. But it was, it was different. There was a fresh sense of God's presence. There was a hunger in people's hearts. There was a new freedom in worship. And God was at work. Isn't that good? That was wonderful. God had answered our prayer. And so I'd seen what God had been doing in Horsham, uh, where Trevor and Janet are, and I'd observed some of this. So I'd invited Andy to come up to Derby and said, look, could you come and help us on this journey? And uh, we'd already already arranged uh, a date for that. He's going to come up with a team. Well, now things have changed. It wasn't, you know, it started off by saying, can you come and help break something open? Now it was like, well, God's opened it up. Can you come and help us move forward in it? And God started to be at work in a new way. Because suddenly this was a church that was hungry for more of God's. You know, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a bad church before that. But God had done something in our hearts. Suddenly we were a whole load more hungry for him. And he loves to answer prayers like that. So listen, I don't want to pretend it's all been rosy since then. Because church life has its ups and downs. And there are always some challenges and difficulties to work through. But listen, it has been different. Because God is doing something. And it's been so good having a church family to go on that journey together. And we have walked that as a church family together. And we've, we've stepped into some new things. And God's been doing that amongst us. But listen to me, friends, it took us to get hungry. It took us to get hungry for God to do it. It took us to see what God was doing somewhere else and in somebody else and go, I want that. I need that. We need that. And so my purpose in telling the story is partly to honor Trevor and Janet and to thank them for for that. Because they've put a whole load in me over many years. Lots they don't even know. I wonder who's done that for you. Maybe you should thank them sometime. But listen, as well as wanting to honour them, I want to tell you it starts with getting hungry. That has been our story. So listen, are you hungry today? Are you hungry for God today? Are you hungry? Thank you. Are you hungry for more of his presence? Are you hungry to see him move in your life, in your family, in your church, in your town or city, in this, in this nation? God, we, you know, we, we, friends, we need people who are hungry for God. We need people who are hungry for him to move because that is our only answer, isn't it? You know, in case you haven't noticed, there's an election coming up. And there's all sorts of different Political agenda's been put out there, and in a few weeks' time, we'll have to make a decision where to put our cross. I don't want to know where to put my cross. I want to go to the cross. Find it empty, because we serve a risen Savior. And that is where my hope is. Not in placing a cross on a piece of paper, but in a risen Savior who rose from the dead 
after hanging on a cross. And it's his kingdom that's the only hope. It is, isn't it? Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love our politicians who give their time and energy to serve our country. We need that. We need to pray for them as well, both locally and nationally. But our hope isn't in that, friends. Our hope is in God moving. My hope isn't in the political agenda. My hope is in God breaking in in a new way. That is what we need. And so our stories, it started with a holy dissatisfaction, a desire for more of God. And do you notice as you read your Bible that in the New Testament, when the church prayed, God acted. I want to suggest, I want to suggest, because I'm profound and a deep thinker, maybe God wants to do the same again. What do you think? Church prays, God acts. He hasn't changed. Maybe there's a key in that for us. So I'm assuming this morning that seeing as you are here and you've taken a Saturday out of a probably quite busy life, that you are hungry for God. And you are hungry for him to move in your life, in your family, in your church, in your town or city, and in a nation. And I'm guessing that's why you're here. And if that's why you're here, then that's great. Because God loves to, to come and to answer prayers like that. God's been speaking to us about pursuing his presence. And uh, I, I guess you may know the story in Exodus 33, but I don't have time to look at it uh, this morning. But God promises to Moses that God's going to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, the land that he had chosen for them, that he had promised to them. And he says that he's going to send an angel ahead of them to drive out their enemies, but he himself will not go with them because of their rebellion. He calls them a stiff-necked people. Hey, you don't want to be called a stiff-necked people, do we? But God calls them a stiff-necked people, and so he says to Moses... My paraphrase, forgive me. Listen, I'll send the angel with you, but I myself will not go. You know, being promised an angel, to me, it seems like a pretty good deal. Don't you think? I mean, you know, if you're in negotiation about something and you know, you're praying maybe and asking God for something and God says, I'll give you an angel to fight for you and drive out your enemies. How many of us would go, yes, please, to that one? That sounds great. If I'd been Moses, I'd be thinking, oh, angel, drive out our enemies. He'll fight for us. It sounds a pretty good deal. I'll go for that. Thank you very much. But Moses didn't. Moses wanted more. He wanted more than God's angel to fight for him. He wanted God's presence. And so Moses goes back to God and and says, actually, he'd rather not go anywhere if God's presence wasn't going to go with him. What would you have said? Would you have settled for the angel or fought for the presence? Moses fights for the presence of God. And what's particularly important for us is the reason that Moses gives. He, He says this in Exodus 33, verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses' argument is pretty simple. It's only God's presence that distinguishes us from any other group of people on the earth. It's only his presence. 
You know, we are not the cleverest, prettiest, smartest, largest, coolest, trendiest, or funniest. We're not. But the church of Jesus Christ is the only group of people on earth that carries God's presence. Without his presence, we're nothing. With his presence, wow, we're everything. And so as the, as the Old Testament unfolds, um, i guessing you know your Bibles, you, you find that the temple is, becomes a dwelling place of God. It's where you go to encounter the very presence of God. But now, after New Testament times, things have changed. Now, God dwells by his spirit in us. And so, corporately, the church is the dwelling place of God. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, Paul says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? Now, Paul uses the plural of you. He's saying, you lot, you yourselves. He's writing to the church here at Corinth. He's saying, you together, the gathered church, are the dwelling place of God. You're where God lives, where his presence is. And his presence marks us out. So for the early church, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, that changed the apostles from frightened followers to dynamic disciples. And that leads me to my next point. You see, this is not just for us. You could think that encountering God's presence sounds a bit selfish. You could think, oh, well, it's just about having a good time and a meeting. It's just so I can feel good. Get some Holy Spirit ghost, the Holy Spirit goosebumps. You know, no. Friends, God's presence is not just for us. Encountering God's presence is for those who don't know Jesus yet. It's for giving away. It's for giving away. It's in order that the world around you might be different because you've encountered the living God. It's in order that people might see what God's doing in you and maybe even if they're far from God, say there's something different about that person. I want to know what it is. What is it that you have? What is going on? And so as I observe what God is doing in all sorts of places around the world, time and again, I'm beginning to hear stories about those who are far from God encountering him and as as a result of meeting those who have been empowered by him. That's beginning to be our story here in Derby. So it's meant for giving away, friends. It's meant for giving away. Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. There is a missional point to it here. Do you see that? It's for giving away. It's in order that you might reach the places that God is sending you to. God's presence will transform us and take us to the very ends of the earth. And that's why we need to be changed by him. That's why we need to be transformed by him. That's why we need to be totally filled by his presence, captivated by him, and sent out so that he can do something remarkable and bring glory to him. It's about what God God is wanting to do. And he wants to use you to do it. But he needs you to be full of his presence. 
He needs you to be that portable temple, if you like. You know, the temple in the Old Testament, it wasn't going to go anywhere once it had been built. This massive structure, you know, amazing structure, as we read about, wasn't very portable, pretty static. Now, you and I are the temple of God, the temple of the living God, full of his presence. And you move around. Now, you might move quickly, or you might move slowly. But you move, and you carry his presence wherever you go. God wants you to be a portable temple, carrying his presence into every arena of life. As I was praying about today, some weeks ago, I felt God speak to me about a passage of scripture that he wants us to look at. And um, I don't want to spend too too long looking at this because I think God wants to do some stuff. I want to give him some time to do it. But I I felt I need to mention it and bring some things out quickly from it because I felt God speak so clearly about it. And the story's in Mark chapter 5. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn to it with me, please. Mark 5, verse 21. And it says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Do you notice, firstly, that she pushed through the crowd? She pushed through the crowd. You know, wherever Jesus went, crowds seemed to follow. If he wanted to get away from crowds, he'd have to get up early in the morning or go to lonely places. This was not a lonely place day. This was a crowd day. And there were crowds everywhere. Luke tells us the crowds almost crushed Jesus. It's like, you know, the January sales. It's like the Black Friday sale. You know, crowds everywhere, pushing through, trying to get to Jesus. Have you ever tried to push through a crowd like that? It's no easy task, is it? Everyone looks at you thinking, why are you, why are you pushing through? You know, you're British, queue up, get to the back. You know, but this woman pushed through. She pushed through the crowd because she knew that her only hope was to reach out to Jesus. She'd been unwell for 12 years, Mark tells us. She'd spent all she had in the care of many doctors and she'd only got worse. She was desperate for a touch from God. She was desperate. She pushed through the crowds. Hey, listen, if you're desperate for a touch from God today, push through the crowd and reach out to him. He wants to come to you. 
in a moment, we're going to, I say a moment, a few moments, <laughs> we're going to pray for people and invite you to respond. I want to encourage you, if you are hungry for God, push through the crowds. Reach out to him. I mean, her sickness, she's lost nearly everything. She's lost her health, her wealth, and her standing in the community. Her illness has made her ceremonially unclean. Her sickness has made her like this. And she would have been treated as an outcast. You know, it's not good for her, but listen, she sees Jesus. And when she sees Jesus, everything changes. When you see Jesus, everything changes. I feel there's some of you who are going to see Jesus afresh this morning. Because as you see Jesus, everything changes. I felt God speak to me about eye conditions when I was praying and preparing this week. And um, I I just felt that that for for some of you here this morning, you're going to see Jesus afresh, spiritually. But I felt too that God wanted to do something physically to represent what he wanted to do spiritually. And uh, I, I just felt for some of you that may have an eye condition that God wanted to, to come to you, particularly this morning. Perhaps you could just raise your hand if you've got an eye condition. It may be just you're like me, short-sighted, <laughs> um, and you wear glasses. It may be something more than that. Wow, that's loads of you, isn't it? <laughs> why, don't you do, why don't you stand real quick, and let's see what the Father wants to do. <laughs> I may or may not get to the end of this talk. <laughs> Lord, Thank you that you want us to see you afresh. Just, just reach your hands out to him now. Father, we just want to give you a moment, a time and space to do what you want to do. So I speak to eye conditions right around this room. I speak to eyes and say, be healed In Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. We take authority over that which has caused eye conditions and concern and worry. We take authority over it in Jesus' name and say, Be gone now in the name of Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name. Let eyes return to normal. Let eyes see. Let worry about eye conditions be gone in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would open eyes afresh right now in Jesus' name. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, depending what what it is, it might be that suddenly your vision goes blurry with glasses and God's done something to your sight immediately. It might be that you need to go back to your optician and get an eye test. That's not lack of faith, that's wisdom. So I want to encourage you, for those of you who have stood, 
If you feel God has done something today, then let's hear about it today, because I'd love to hear about it today. But you can still act in faith on that. Maybe go back to your optician, get your eyes tested, whatever the issue was. Go back, get it looked at afresh. I just feel God wants to do something in the physical to represent what he wants to do in the spiritual. Oh, thank you, Lord. So this woman sees Jesus. She reaches out to him because she knows that if she reaches out to Jesus, everything's going to change. Now, you could argue that her faith wasn't totally theologically sorted. She's just thinking he's got a magic coat. You know, we're not, we're not clear on what was going on in her mind. Did she have you know, everything sorted out in, in, her, in her head theologically? Actually, Jesus isn't too concerned about that. What he sees is a woman in need and somebody reaching out to him. He doesn't get out his theology test and go, well, let's just check that you're lined up on this first. He just sees need and sees faith and responds. And so we see in Jesus that even though he was involved in something else, he was on his way to Jairus' home, wasn't he? Pretty important guy, synagogue ruler, upstanding member of the community. He, He was going there. He got interrupted. But he had time for this woman. And then, he, then this, she reaches out to him and Jesus says this rather hilarious question, who touched me? And his disciples are like, well, everyone? You're in a crowd, Lord? You know, it's like being in a London underground train on the rush hour. I spent years doing that. And he's like, well, who touched me? You're like this and there's hundreds of people in the carriage designed for 50. You think, everybody touched you, Lord. But he knew that somebody had reached out because this was not just the touch of a finger. This was a touch of faith. And he knew that something had happened. As she reaches out, instantly she's healed. Instantly, Jesus deals with the issue for her. Mark's account is great, isn't it? Suddenly the picture zooms in. You've got a crowd scene, and suddenly you're zoomed in to Jesus and this woman. It's like nobody else is there. No one else matters anymore. It's Jesus and this woman. He gives her his full attention. The crowds are around, but they're not important right now. This woman, he gives his full attention to. And his response is so loving, isn't it? He calls her daughter. You see, in the midst of a crowd, Jesus sees the one. Jesus sees the one. Today, Jesus sees you. So her world is transformed in a moment, isn't it? Instantly she's healed. Where there had been sickness, there is now healing. Where she had been an outcast, she's now accepted. Where there has been pain, there's now freedom. And everything has changed for her. Isn't it good? This woman was highly embarrassed about her problem. But Jesus dealt with her shame. She was scared as to how Jesus would respond to her. But Jesus dealt with her fear. She was plagued by ill health. But Jesus dealt with her sickness. I wonder, what does Jesus want to do this morning? Perhaps the band could come back up, please. 
Craig, I've lost you. Where are you? If I could uh, come back out, that would be so good. I just want to wait and see what the Father wants to do. He's been doing some stuff already. <laughs> some of you have already responded. But I just want to see what he wants to do. Because for this woman, as we've said, although she was embarrassed, Jesus dealt with her shame. Although she was scared, Jesus took her fear. Although she was plagued by ill health, Jesus dealt with her sickness. I think he wants to deal with some of those things this morning. I think he wants to bring release for some of those things this morning. And I'm going to ask the bands in a moment to, to lead us and we're going to respond in worship and to see what he wants to do. But before we do that, if you think that's for, that's for you, maybe you need the Lord to deal with shame or fear or sickness or bring freedom, why don't you just stand where you are? And we're going to pray and then we're going to worship. So if for you, you're thinking, yeah, actually there's some shame that I want God to take away today. There's some fear that needs to be dealt with. Or maybe there's some sickness that <laughs> needs to see healing. Or some freedom where, you know, you, you, you've been struggling, but you know that you want to see freedom today. You stand right now. I want to encourage you to stand. And we're going to pray. To see what the Father wants to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh. Jesus spoke over this woman. He called her daughter. He welcomed her into the family. And today the Father would speak over you, son, daughter adopted one you're welcomed in <laughs> you're in the family now I want you to know afresh who you are because as you know afresh who you are who you are in Christ who he's really made you to be then shame goes fear is kicked out sickness is put in its place and freedom comes and so Father I want to thank you for these dear friends who have boldly stood and I want to pray right now whatever it is that God you would bring a release in Jesus name Lord where shame has bound people let it go right now in Jesus name Lord, where fear has held people back, worry about what other people would think. We rebuke it right now and say, fear be gone in the name of Jesus. Where there's been sickness, we speak to sickness and say, sickness, go in Jesus' name. And let there be freedom right now. Let freedom Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
a couple of words of knowledge. Um, I felt that there's um, somebody here, it may be more than one person, and um, I felt like the Father say, you have had 10 years worth of disappointment. You've had 10 years worth of disappointment, and it has redefined you in a wrong way. It has reshaped your heart in a wrong way. And I believe the Father wants to come and meet with you. And he wants to lift off disappointment. So if that's you, just engage with the Father right now. Just tell him. The Father's right there. Just tell him. Tell him and say, yeah, Papa, my heart is so full of disappointment because of this, this and this. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and lift off disappointment? Would you come and release fresh faith? Would you come and release hope? We just speak hope, miraculous hope into your situation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I feel like there's also somebody here and you've got um, an issue with your knees. I believe you've got cartilage damage uh, in your knees. Um, If that's you, we'd love to pray for you. I believe God literally is going to rebuild some cartilage underneath your kneecap. Thank you, Father. So anybody respond to that? Friends, I think there's gonna, we're going to bring some other specific words, knowledge in a second. But I think for some of you today, it's a pushing through the crowd day. You know? It's a pushing through the crowd day. Saying, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, as we bring these words, please don't hold back. Please push through the crowd. We're going to bring out just a few specific words, knowledge, and then, uh, then I think we'll perhaps worship and uh, and see what the Lord wants to do, and uh, we'll get other chances to pray as we go. So let's just have a few other specifics. But friends, if this is you, if you respond to this, then push through the crowd. I believe there's someone here, and you've got a fear of going in lifts. You just you just avoid lifts at all costs. You'll do flights of steps if you have to but you won't go in a lift Uh, I'd love to pray for you if that's you I just feel there's someone or maybe other people who are having panic attacks I feel like God wants to show you his kingship over that right now do you want to come forward if that's you there's no shame please come forward let's let's see what God will do Um, also, could we have um, our Jubilee Church ministry team, prophetic team, to come forward and just minister now, please? Okay, so if you want to respond to any of those words, if you can come forward now, can I ask you to put your hand up and keep it up until somebody comes to you and prays for you? So if I can get some ministry team out. Let's be praying. Let's be expecting God to to break through. Well done. Thank you for being bold. Just stick your hand up. Just push through the crowds, okay? Push through. Something to pray for here and over here, please, and there. A couple more over here. A couple of ladies to come and pray on our team. That'd be good. We will get to you, don't worry, okay? Don't run off. 
We will get to you, I promise. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so if you're part of Jubilee or Kings and are regularly praying for people in East that, can I ask you to come and help us, please? That'll be really good. another lady to come and pray haven't got to you yet don't worry I've seen you okay so we will get to you and pray for you I promise if we don't do it straight away don't run off Can you put your hand up if we haven't got to you yet? I just want to see. Okay, one. A couple of people. Thanks, Caroline. Yeah, great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you that you are good. Thank you for what you're, you're doing, Lord. Thank you for what you're breaking and releasing. Thank you for what you're healing. Thank you for what you're setting free from. Ooh, be at work, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can I invite us to stand together? Let's not disengage now, but let's keep pressing into the Lord. The band are going to lead us. We're going to worship. We've got a little bit of time still, and we'll see what else the Father wants to do. Thanks, guys.